0: For the acquittal of four white policemen in the beating trial of black motorist Rodney King. But with this case, there's no winners. We still have police officers that have to live with the fact that there was a death involved in their case. After the fatal officer-involved shooting of Michael Brown... It has happened again. Just nine days after the uproar in Ferguson,
1: a grand jury in New York City has refused to indict yet another white police officer said to have killed an unarmed black man. Welcome to Mud Season, a podcast that cuts through the mud and brings you research from the Vermont Laboratory. I'm your producer, Eliza Giles, and today we're joined by University of Vermont Professor Dr. Stephanie Seguino.
2: My name is Stephanie Seguino. I'm a full professor here at the University of Vermont. I've been here since 1995.
1: Dr. Seguino is an economics professor, but her research focuses on social and racial inequalities, which she investigates through an economic lens.
2: Many people think that it's odd that an economist would be focusing on racial inequality and policing, but that's where I've been focusing my attention.
1: On a broader scope, this means asking questions like... Does
2: inequality matter for society as a whole? Might matter for the people who are poor, for example, but do we all experience negative or positive effects from inequality? And the answer to that question is that there are societal negative effects of inequality.
1: Now, we're talking about inequality from both a social and mathematical perspective. The relation between two expressions that are not equal. The advantage of an economic lens is that it allows us to deconstruct and measure these inequalities while still considering their significance as social issues. Seguina's research turns structural inequality into quantifiable evidence, something we can chart and graph, and most importantly, something we can quantifiably change.
2: There are many different kinds of inequality. There's gender inequality, racial inequality, inter-country inequality. Uh, class inequality and so forth. And so the part of the strategy I use, I you know, use statistical methods essentially to assess what is the impact of inequality on economy-wide indicators like the growth rate of GDP or life expectancy and so forth. And at the other end, of the work that I'm really excited about is that I also look at the impact of macroeconomic policies on intergroup inequality.
1: So, for example...
2: If the Federal Reserve decides to raise interest rates, which it did recently, does that lead to inequality? And some research I've done shows, for example, that it in fact has negative effects, more negative effects on blacks and women than on white workers. So uh, it's really to, you know, the work I do is really to focus on what's the relationship between our relations at the micro level and how does that affect the economy as a whole. Some research I've been doing in Vermont has focused on the issue of race and racial inequality. And there's a number of different reasons for that. One of the things that we know is that what happens to people in the judicial system has a profound impact on their opportunity to get a job, to get housing and so on and so forth. So for example, a study that was done a few years ago showed that blacks were uh, half as likely to be called back for a job interview than whites who applied for the same job with the same qualifications and so forth, uh, and if that black person had a criminal record, they had very minimal chances of being called back. I will add that whites with a felony record were more likely to be called back for a job than blacks with no felony record, but it, the. Reality is that there is mass incarceration in this country that disproportionately affects black and brown people. And so I was really interested in finding out whether in Vermont we see these disparities in policing, which can tell us a great deal.
1: Not just about police bias, but about Vermont as a whole.
2: It can tell us, uh, first of all, how policing is happening and how that might pull people into the criminal justice system but it also is a microcosm into the housing market, the employment market and so forth. The police are, 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 are us, right? They're no different than us. We all are socialized around race in a certain way. And so it should not be surprising to us that if there are racial disparities in, in policing, we're gonna see it in schools. We're gonna see it in employment and housing and so forth. So the real issue in Vermont was, is Vermont different? right there's a sense that vermont is a very liberal state that we uh, was one of the first states to abolish slavery and there's a sense that vermont does not have these problems and yet people of color have for a number of years complained about being overstopped over searched Uh, and mistreated by the police.
1: So in 2014, police officers became required to record the race of every driver they pull over for data collection. Now it's important to note that Vermont doesn't ask people to disclose their race on their driver's license. So this data is based off the presumption of an individual's race or ethnicity by police officers. And maybe this sounds strange, but it means that any bias found in the data has to do with the ways officers gauge race and ethnicity based on first impressions and make decisions accordingly. In other words, it gives the data set a control in identifying instances of implicit bias, making Seguino's case stronger.
2: And I now completed a, a study that has roughly a half a million traffic stops. Uh, And it's enabled us to make some statistical inferences about racial disparities in policing.
1: And the data reflected what people of color had been saying for years.
2: So in the study, what we found, we used seven indicators, stop rates, arrest rates, search rates, and so forth. And in all cases, we found that blacks uh, blacks in particular, in a number of cases, blacks and Hispanics, were likely to have worse outcomes than white drivers and Asian drivers. And I'll give you just one example of how wide this gap is. Black drivers in Rutland are more than six times as likely to be searched by the police as a white driver. And they are less likely to have contraband. So we observe this in the Vermont State Police and the Burlington Police Department and so forth. Uh, and. The indicators in general suggested very significant racial disparities in policing, especially for Hispanics and Blacks.
1: Back to perceptions of Vermont.
2: So in Vermont, we tend to think that Vermont is an outlier, that we were the first state to you know, adopt civil unions and uh, the first state to abolish slavery, and that we have more progressive social policy and so forth. So many people think that racism and racial inequality is not an issue in Vermont. Uh, but the, the study shows, in fact, that in a number of our indicators, Vermont actually has worse disparities than many parts of the country that we would tend to think is more racially biased. So for example, our search rates, uh, if you look at the disparity between black and white search rates, that disparity is significantly greater than in North Carolina or in Missouri or in Illinois, places that we tend to see a lot of racial disparities in a number of videos in terms of policing recently. Uh, And so, The real challenge, I think, for Vermonters is to understand that we, too, have this same social disease of racial stereotyping, and that I want to, in particular, point a finger at the police as being particularly egregious, but rather I think it's important for us to recognize that they are a bellwether for what's going on in many other other aspects of life in Vermont.
1: This past spring, 16 year old Finn Brown took to Facebook Live to talk about how the Burlington Police Department responded to him being aggressively frisked by a US Secret Service agent.
0: Okay, um, I don't even know where to start with this. Basically, like, my name is Finzy Brown. Um, I'm a 16 year old student at Burlington High School. I'm a senior. Nobody told me, like, what was going on. He just pushed me against the vehicle and um okay. started to frisk me down um I'm 16 like I didn't know what was going on I was screaming and I was just like y- like you know you don't understand Like, and I mentioned that the fact that like he was a white man and like he came up to me and like people of color like when you're in that situation and you come up to a person of color like you like it's scary like you know what I mean like it's very intimidating and the fact that like he looked me in my eyes and he said I don't see race I don't see your race um the four police officers that responded the burlington police chief defending his officers tonight this comes days after a teenager says he was targeted and frisked i had mentioned the fact that i was a person of color and then the police officer responded with don't make this about race because it's not about race you can't tell me what isn't what isn't about race
2: i've learned a lot in presenting this work throughout the state And there are a set of responses to these data that are very frequent and I think are very telling. One of the responses is that why should we be concerned because blacks are such a small share of the population and as are Hispanics. And in in truth, blacks are roughly 1.6% of Vermont's population and Hispanics, 0.6%. But here in Burlington, blacks are almost 5% of the population and Hispanics are, are, you know, raise that number. And we have seen that Vermont is changing demographically. So I think it's important to pay attention to this. But I think it's also important to recognize the profoundly negative impact on people's lives of being stopped and searched by the police, the um, humiliation that they feel, the, the, the fear of the police, which impedes the police from doing good policing. If they don't have good relations with the community, it's very difficult for them to develop the community uh, policing that they would like to. That, that is really, I think, one of the, one of the challenges to this. And, and I think it just requires us to have a bit we have more empathy for our entire population, not simply the dominant group. The other thing that I hear very frequently is that the reason that we have these racial disparities is because of the opioid epidemic, and that it is largely blacks and Hispanics who are bringing in drugs from out of state. The data, however, suggests that that is a stereotype that is not confirmed by the evidence. And the way we know this is that once a driver is searched, an officer is required to record if there's contraband found or not. Some contrabands very trivial, a 16-year-old that has cigarettes, for example, or an open container in the car. And in those cases, you know, the driver is likely to get a warning and maybe a ticket. The drug cases, the serious drug cases, are likely to be that the driver will be arrested. And what we found is that there is a huge disparity between the arrest rate of searched white drivers and the arrest rate of searched black drivers. So for example, I just looked at Burlington's data for this past year and uh, roughly 15% of white drivers searched were arrested, zero percent of black drivers were arrested. So that really suggests that there is a stereotype and an implicit bias that is influencing officers in their policing and that data can help us identify those biases but then it is up to the police departments and it's up to the community to hold police departments accountable to do evidence-based policing not based on skin color uh, not based on the license plate of the vehicle but rather good evidence so few drug busts actually come from these searches they really come from more detective work and information elsewhere, and uh, it is severely disrupting to people's lives to experience these events. If we want Vermont to be a destination for many of the groups that are migrating, then we need to do a good job of treating all citizens fairly.
1: Thank you for listening to Mud Season, presented by the Center for Research on Vermont. This episode included research provided by Dr. Stephanie Seguino, the United States Census Bureau, and the Journal of Vocational Behavior, as well as audio from Saturday Night Live and the Student Political Action and Responsibility Coalition. Also, special thanks to Dr. Seguino for sitting down with us to talk about this important topic. If you're studying Vermont, either as a profession or as a hobby, consider applying for membership to the Center for Research on Vermont. It costs nothing and will help you to keep up to date with the latest Vermont news and research, as well as with future podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter and Instagram under username crvt_. If you know of a story that should be featured on our show, please contact us. If we miss something or if anything in this episode is incorrect, please email us at crvt@uvm.edu at and we'll update the information. Regardless, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.